Welcome to the There's a Hack for That podcast. My name is Lauren Germanario, and I am a business and mindset coach. And my name is Erica Weiner, and I'm a holistic health and mindset coach. We live in a day and age where you can literally learn anything you want online, in books, from podcasts, and from all those mighty influencers you follow on social media. But talk about information overload. Am I right? Yep, and that's why we've decided to bring you all the life hacks you never knew you needed all in one spot. You're welcome. These conversations will inspire you to get in the driver's seat of your own life, optimize your health, upgrade your mindset, and get out of your own way. Have you been dreaming about starting or growing your own business? I've got a ton of hacks for that. Do you dream about being confident and creating the life of your dreams? I've got some hacks for that. Need to know how to hack anything else in your life? Our awesome guests have got you covered. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show, episode four of There's a Hack for That, Biohacking for Beginners. My name is Erica Weiner, and I'm a holistic health and mindset coach, and I help heart-centered high performers get better sleep, heal their anxiety, and feel joy in each moment. Before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much to all of you that have been listening and reaching out to share your praise with Lauren and I. Your support just means so, so much to us, and please keep listening, subscribe, give us a review, and share with anyone you think might enjoy this show. It really helps us grow, and of course, we super appreciate it. Okay, but today, you're in for a real treat because we're going to talk about probably my most favorite thing to talk about biohacking. And I'm going to share four of my easy to get started biohacks that I think everyone should know about and focus on. And then stick around until the end because number five will be an introduction to some of the more advanced biohacks, gadgets, and thingies that you may or may not have heard of. And before we start, my goal today is to make biohacking as accessible as possible. Biohacking has become a pretty buzzy word, not in a bad way, but just in a way that I think because we have an official term for this now, it almost feels a little exclusive and even expensive. But biohacking is a term that was created by Dave Asprey. And if you don't know who that is, he is the mastermind behind the brand Bulletproof. Maybe you've heard of it. And he was also behind Merriam-Webster adding the term biohacking to the dictionary in 2018. But just because someone finally gave us a tangible name for this doesn't mean it hasn't been around for a long time. For example, I've been obsessed with biohacking my whole adult life. I just didn't really know what I was doing. But we're all biohackers to some degree. Do you focus on what you're eating to give yourself the nutrition you need? Do you take supplements? Did you buy blackout blinds to get more rejuvenating sleep? Do you have a device that gives you biofeedback? Then guess what? You are a biohacker. Congratulations. Or you can be one if you want to be. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. In fact, all the tips I'm giving today are going to be free or very low cost. You don't have to buy the most expensive gadgets out there to get into biohacking, though they can be super fun, I will admit. And this is probably a good place to throw in the definition of biohacking to really set the stage. So Dave Asprey says it's using science, biology, and self-experimentation to take control of and upgrade your body, your mind, and your life. 
And another way to describe biohacking that I love, this one's just from healthline.com. They say it consists of making small incremental diet or lifestyle changes to make small improvements in your health and well-being. And I think the only thing I would add is that biohacking requires you to accept the responsibility that you have direct influence over your physical, mental, and spiritual health. Nobody's going to come along and do the work for you. It's your responsibility to figure out what you need to feel your best. So if you accept that challenge, great. Keep listening. If not, I don't know, keep listening anyway because you've already come this far. And with each biohack I talk about today, I'm going to give you a call to action. So that's something you can start today or this week to begin or reinvigorate your biohacking practices. And of course, none of this is medical advice that can only come from your very own medical or health practitioner, doctor, that sort of thing. So now that we have that out of the way, let's move on to biohack number one. Manage the effect of stress on your body. Our bodies are designed to handle stress, but a very specific type of quick, acute, get in, get out kind of stress. And the way I like to teach this is to help you understand how the stress response operates from an evolutionary standpoint. Our stress response evolved based on the types of stressors we would have encountered back, you know, when we were like cave people and stuff. So here's the scenario. Human encounters a life-threatening danger, like getting chased by a tiger. Then human thinks, oh shit, which then activates the stress response, your sympathetic nervous system, think fight or flight. And this would give human enough energy to hopefully escape said life-threatening danger, making sure that our species lives on, right? But here's the kicker. After we escape danger, then biologically, we're supposed to calm down and get out of fight or flight. We are not designed to live in our sympathetic nervous system. We are not designed to operate under constant levels of stress. Your body cannot heal when you're constantly living in your sympathetic nervous system. Your body actually down-regulates non-essential functions when you're in fight or flight. This is why highly stressed people commonly start to have issues with digestion because when you're in fight or flight, your body's not worried about digesting the cheeseburger you just ate. It's worried about getting you to safety from whatever real or perceived danger you're experiencing. Which brings me to my next point, that these days we're more often than not living in a state of fight or flight, but instead of being chased by tigers, we're being chased by work deadlines and our phone notifications going off and trying to be perfect or worrying about paying the bills. Unfortunately, non-life-threatening and perceived stressors are causing more health issues for you than you know. You don't have to be in real danger to put yourself in fight or flight, and these perceived stressors are stealing from your vitality and that zest for life that we all crave. And that's why biohack number one is manage the effect of stress on your body. And there are a ton of different ways to do this, but my call to action today is to prioritize a mindfulness practice. Become aware of the thoughts that you're thinking. Are they full of worry and judgment and self-criticism? Well, if so, then that's enough to shift you into a fight-or-flight response. You don't even have to be doing anything stressful to get into fight-or-flight. You could just be sitting on the couch thinking about how frustrated you are with work or how rude that guy was that cut you off this morning. Your thoughts activate a chemical response in your body. It can be a calming response or it can be a stress response. I'll say it in another way because I really want you to understand this. If you are just 
thinking about something you're worried about, that's enough to send little information molecules from your brain to your body to activate fight or flight. So that's where mindfulness comes in. Mindfulness means paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally. And you can do this in a few ways. My favorite way to help people get started is through either guided meditation. Calm is my favorite app that I use, and they have a ton of you know, five to 10 minute meditations to just get you started in noticing your thoughts. Or you can start a mindfulness journaling practice. So that might look like every morning for just two to three minutes, write down stream of consciousness thoughts. This allows you to get your thoughts out and start to understand the kinds of things that are floating around in your head that are potentially having a huge impact on you. Did you know that only 5% of our thoughts and behaviors each day are conscious? The rest is on autopilot. So start getting familiar with that 95% of subconscious programming so you can see how much of it might be giving you trouble. All right, on to biohack number two. Upgrade your nutrition. Nutrition is so important for optimizing the way your body functions. I'm sure I'm not the first person you've heard say this, but if you feed yourself crap, you're going to feel like crap. And this doesn't mean you can't have cake. I freaking love cake and I still eat it. We have to be realistic and live our lives, right? But the biggest thing with upgrading your nutrition is that you do have a responsibility to figure out what works best for you. There are so many different diets and meal plans and cleanses and detoxes out there, and it can be overwhelming. Personally, in the last decade of my life, I've tried just about every nutrition school of thought under the sun. I've done vegan and keto and intermittent fasting. I've cut out nightshade vegetables. I've done elimination diets. I've done dairy-free and gluten-free. Then for a while, just added extra gluten on everything. But today, my approach is an intuitive combination of what I've learned from experiencing all those different protocols. Now, the goal of this biohack is to eat foods that make you feel good. And in order to do that, you have to know what works for you, not what works for me or anyone else. What works for you. So you have to get curious. You have to pay attention to how you feel when you're eating. And this can get tricky because if you're sensitive to some foods, the reaction might be small and it might not happen for a few days. Some food sensitivity reactions are delayed like that. But my call to action to help you get more in tune with how your body responds to food is for one week, keep a food and feelings diary. You don't have to get specific on tracking food. Like don't think amount of food, just which kinds of food. Write down what you ate for your meals and your snacks, and then a few times per day, notice how you feel and write that down. For example, you might say you feel sluggish, heartburn, anxious, gassy, energetic, clear-headed, whatever. But the idea is to start connecting mind and body and how you feel after eating certain foods. The more awareness you build, the more you'll understand how the food you eat affects your well-being. Lastly, I'll say that baby steps to big results is so important with this one. If you're eating a lot of processed foods and just feel like your nutrition could definitely benefit from an upgrade, don't try to do it all at once. Like, Don't make changes that are so severe that you're not going to stick with them. If you don't want to do the food and feelings journal, then instead choose one thing to work on this week. So if you want to eat more vegetables, then choose one meal each day and add an extra serving of veggies. If you usually have alcohol with dinner every night, then choose one night and drink hot tea or something else instead. Behavior change takes time and we have a much higher success rate when we don't take on too many new habits at once. All right, on to biohack number three. 
Supplementation. I am asked about this one all the time. Here's the deal. We cannot get all the nutrients we need from our food, and this is for a lot of reasons. One being that soil degradation that's been happening since the 50s and 60s, which is when massive agriculture and farming began in the U.S. So this means crops weren't rotated as much and fields weren't allowed to rest and be properly fertilized by manure and whatnot. And if you were to test, say, an apple for nutrient levels today and then compare it to an apple from the 50s, you would find that today's apple is sufficiently lacking in nutrients by comparison. Even organic produce won't do much better. Because of this, I believe everyone can benefit from supplementation. And here's your call to action. Educate yourself. It's easy to go to the store and pick up random supplements, but these supplements can be very powerful. They can interact with medications you're taking, and they're very individual. That's why I want you to be aware before you start popping capsules. And there are a lot of best practices I give to clients who want to try new supplements, so I'll share four of them with you now. First, I always encourage people to try one thing at a time. Supplements can get pricey, so you want to know that if you're spending the money, that it's worth it. And if you try a new supplement and you have a bad reaction, or maybe you respond really well, then you know without a doubt which supplement you're reacting to or responding to. Second, do your research. The supplement industry is not regulated, so you want to make sure you're buying from a credible source that tests for purity. Hopefully, they have the GMP stamp on the bottle, meaning they practice good manufacturing principles. I also like to buy organic when it makes sense. Third, check ingredients. Lots of companies might seem cheaper, but that's probably because they add fillers and preservatives that aren't necessary. If the other ingredients list is full of a bunch of ingredients you can't pronounce, either look them up and know what you're putting in your body or put the bottle back. Or I guess you can always message me and I'll see if I can help. But this goes for protein powders too. Oh my Lord, some of those extra ingredients lists are scary. Finally, number four, make sure you're getting the right form of the supplement. Some forms of supplements are more bioavailable than others, meaning your body can actually use them. The bottom line here is that you want to know what you're putting in your body. Quality matters. I know Costco can be enticing price-wise, but this is your health. If you're cutting corners financially, do it somewhere else. Don't do it when it comes to your health and what you're putting in your body. All right, on to biohack number four. Optimize your sleep, and sleep optimization is a huge passion of mine. I know firsthand the impact great sleep has had on me and feeling better and managing my autoimmune disorder. If we sleep better, we pretty much can do everything else better. I'm going to approach this one a little differently and explain why we can all benefit from prioritizing our sleep. I'm taking most of this from my favorite book on sleep, The Sleep Solution by Dr. Chris Winter. So poor sleep can lead to weight gain. Lack of sleep decreases the satiety hormone leptin, the hormone that tells your brain you're full, and increases ghrelin, which is a hormone responsible for telling your brain when you're hungry. So lack of sleep messes with your ability to feel full and can increase how hungry you are. That's why you might be prone to overeating the day after a crappy night of sleep. Anyone ever experienced that? This is also why it's so important for someone trying to lose weight to prioritize sleep. Poor sleep has also been shown in countless studies to increase risk for heart attack, elevated blood pressure, heart failure, and stroke. 
Poor sleep can devastate your body's ability to regulate blood sugar, which can put you at risk for diabetes. There's also an enormous link between depression and insomnia, and poor sleep has been linked to your mood, right? You sleep well, you feel well, and you sleep like crap, and you don't have the patience for anyone's BS, am I right? It's all linked. And here's a scary thought. Shift work and sleep deprivation have been labeled a probable carcinogen, meaning a risk for cancer. I'm not even kidding. Also, a recent study showed disturbed sleep as a risk factor for developing autoimmune disorders. Very interesting. But in a nutshell, sleep is really important and there are so many ways you can go about optimizing your sleep. You've likely heard about sleep hygiene and that's my call to action for this one. Good sleep hygiene means you create habits that support quality sleep, and you might need to work on improving your sleep hygiene if you're having a hard time falling asleep, experiencing frequent sleep disturbances, suffering from daytime sleepiness, or experiencing inconsistent sleep quantity or quality. And if you want to work on your sleep hygiene, shoot me a message on Instagram or via email, and I'll send you my free guide on seven ways to optimize your sleep environment. It gives you seven easy ways to really create your sleep sanctuary. I also offer a $99 seven-day sleep makeover where you get seven days of one-on-one coaching with me where we do a deep dive on your lifestyle habits and figure out what the best plan for you is when it comes to optimizing your sleep. So reach out if you're interested. Better sleep will absolutely change your life and I'd love to guide you on that journey. All right. Biohack number five. We are going to touch on some of the fun stuff. At least I like to think they're fun. So here are some next level biohacking practices to think about. The first one is HRV, heart rate variability. This is a newer one for me that I'm focusing on. It's a pretty common metric that your smartwatch might give you. My aura ring monitors HRV every night, but let's start with what it is. So a healthy heart doesn't actually beat regularly, like say a metronome, it changes rhythm with each beat. And this constant variation in milliseconds between your heartbeats is known as your heart rate variability. And some situations result in an increase in variation, which would lead to high HRV, while other situations cause intervals between beats to stay more constant, and that would be low HRV. HRV in a lot of ways is measuring how well or not well your body is responding to stress. It very much gives us powerful insights into our stress levels, recovery status, and general well-being. I use this metric given by my aura ring every morning to tell me how well I recovered the night before and how ready I am for physical activity today. I use this number every day to decide whether to push myself or maybe to focus on recovery. And HRV is very individual, so you always want to compare yourself to yourself, not another person. There are averages and ranges you can look at which say what's, you know, quote-unquote normal for your age range, but also know that if you want to improve your HRV, this is something you can train. And there are lifestyle factors like sleep routine, nutrition, alcohol, caffeine, exercise, all these things that affect HRV in one way or another. So if you want to increase HRV, which we all do, then start learning about it. 
Biofeedback is extremely important here. I'm actually looking into buying a device I can use to train HRV during the day, the LEAF therapeutic system. Um, the Aura Ring is great for nighttime measurements, but for HRV, it's essentially useless during the day for real-time results, at least at the time of this recording. Maybe that will change in the future. But there are devices out there that give you real-time results during the day so you can figure out, oh, when I do this thing, my HRV drops, which I don't want. But when I do this thing, it increases. And you can essentially train yourself to have higher HRV. If you think back to biohack number one, manage the effect of stress on your body, this would tie in super nicely as a call to action to support that. Okay, next we have cold water therapy. And again, you've probably heard of this and people getting into ice baths or taking a cold shower in the morning. And here's why they're doing it. Some of the benefits. It can strengthen and regulate the immune system. But here's one caveat. As long as your body is not already taxed, that is important. So there are some situations where cold water therapy isn't necessarily good for everyone all the time. You really want to make sure your nervous system is healthy and will respond well to this type of therapy. Um, Cold water therapy also improves circulation to the core of your body. It's been clinically proven to boost your mood and alleviate depression. It is pretty darn difficult to be depressed when you're sitting in an ice bath. Talk about waking up and energizing yourself. Um, It can also improve fertility, decrease inflammation, and decrease chronic pain and joint pain. I'm actually doing my very first ice bath this weekend, so the weekend before this episode is released, and I'm super excited. I'll be around people who have all done it before so they can hopefully help me breathe and get through it. But if you're a beginner, jumping into an ice bath might not be step one, but you can even start in the shower with cycling back and forth between cold and warm or hot water until you can be in the cold for longer and longer. And then maybe, you know, move on to dunking yourself in a nice bath. All right, next we have inversion or hanging upside down has been shown to help with lymphatic fluid circulation, back pain, blood flow, and spine or hip misalignment from high impact workouts. It also lengthens the spine. Ways to practice inversion is you can get on an inversion table or one of those cool neck traction devices, though that'll even give you the same effect. I recently purchased a set of yoga silks. They're still sitting in their box, so they're not very useful right now, but I used to do aerial yoga weekly, and that was so amazing for recovery. And a free way you can do inversion also is just legs up the wall. So Just elevate your legs above your head while laying on your back with your legs leaning against the wall. Oh, it's a good one. Especially after a run, do it for one minute for every mile you ran for some oh-so-good recovery. All right, finally, we have photobiomodulation, or PBM, which is a fancy name for a kind of light therapy. And it is the application of red or near-infrared light over injuries or lesions to improve wound and soft tissue healing reduce inflammation, and give relief for both acute and chronic pain. Here's how it works. Your cells contain mitochondria, which produce ATP, which is your body's main form of usable energy. And mitochondria can accept energy in the form of this very specific kind of light, visible red and near-infrared light. Not just the random like red light bulbs you can buy on Amazon or something. These are very specific types of wavelengths. And you can get devices to use at home or you can visit your medical spa, but they can get pretty pricey, but definitely something to look into. This is another device I'm hoping to get 
or acquire soon is a red light therapy device to have at home. And so I can mess around with that a little bit. Well, we did it. Congratulations. That's all I have for you today, friends. I hope this was valuable for you. I hope this gives you a really good idea of what biohacking is and hopefully you have some ideas of how you can either start biohacking or continue your biohacking journey. I'd love to hear from you and know what was something you learned or what's one call to action that you're going to implement. I love connecting with all of you, so feel free to reach out on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active um, or email's great too. I'll link all of my info in the show notes. I also have availability for taking one-on-one clients. So if you're interested in learning how to sustainably implement these kinds of things into your life so you can feel your best, reach out and you can get a free discovery call so we can see if we'd be a good fit to work together. Stay curious. Disclaimer. This podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.